Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Sherman Dafyomi. And today, with great excitement and joy, we are completing our study of Masachet Nedarim, our joy over the accomplishment of this study, and our excitement over reaching the conclusion of the Masachet, a Masachet that we hope to return to, as we say in the Hadran, we will return to you Masachet Nedarim. But in the meantime, let us complete our study. We are on the final Mishnah, Mishnah Yudbet, of uh, the last parak of uh, Masachet Nedarim, uh, the 11th parak, and this is a Mishnah that we've already seen, at least in part, uh, in, uh, in our study earlier on. The, um, the original ruling regarding the Shalosh Nashim, the three women who, under if they took a particular ban, would uh, immediately be divorced and would get their ketubah. Barishona hayomrim shalosh nashim lo shalosh hayomrim shalosh nashim yotzot v'not lo ketubah. There are three kinds of women, meaning three women who three. There are three different bands that if a wife takes it, immediately she is divorced and gets a ketubah. If a woman says to her husband, I am impure to you, which means I have had relations outside of the marriage in such a way that I cannot stay married to you. Or shamayim beni levenecha, which is a euphemism, literally the heavens separate the two of us. It's a euphemism for saying that the husband cannot perform sexually uh, to an inadequate form. Or unetulani min hayudim, or she takes a ban of any hana'ah from any Jew, which of course would include her husband. The original ruling then in all three cases was that she's immediately divorced and collects her ketubah. Chazrul Omar, they changed the ruling, and because of the following concern, she'll have interest in another man, and then she will, uh, either she will have, she will see another man that's interested in him, and then lie, and tell this story so that the husband will have to divorce her, and then she's free to marry this other man, or indeed will go out and do something that will cause that. Uh, likely the first interpretation. We're concerned about that. So what do we do? Homer Tmeani Lachayef, a woman makes that first claim, that she has become defiled in the relationship. Let her bring proof to that to that extent. In other words, we don't believe her anymore. If she makes that claim, then we try counseling them to bring them together. If she makes that claim, this we've seen several times, he is Mayfair, the particular component of that ban that affects him, and she continues to have relations with him. But the ban affects the rest of the Jews, which of course then torpedoes her intent. Now, Ibayalahu, the question is asked, If a woman says to her husband, Tmeani, meaning that I have had relations outside of the, out of the marriage, and, uh, and we can no longer live together, She says this to her husband as a Kohen, does she continue to eat Truma? Let's see what the issues are. If Sheshet Amar Ochelet, Sheshet says she continues to, why? We effectively don't believe her. And therefore, if we say she no longer eats truma, that means we sort of do believe her, because if an Ashid Kohen is out of relations, even Baonis, outside of the relationship, she cannot eat truma anymore. But this is now going to cast aspersions on the paternity of her children. 
Rava Amar Eina Ochelad. Rava says, no, we don't let her eat truma. She can continue to eat chulin, and uh, it's, not, uh, it's not necessarily going to lead to people casting aspersions. She continued to exist. She doesn't have to get divorced. She eats chulin. Now, Amar Rava, Umar Rav Sheshit, she eats armala she'ena ochelet. Rav Sheshit agrees that if she becomes widowed, uh, uh, that um, that if subsequent to making that claim she becomes widowed, then she does not eat truma. After all, the whole concern is that we're going to cast aspersions on her kids. If she becomes divorced or widowed, and then she's not eating truma anymore, they'll say, yeah, it's at this point that this happened, and therefore she's not eating truma, but they won't make claims about what happened to her earlier and therefore affect the paternity of her kids. Now, Amar Papa, that's all a build-up to this. Badiklan Rava, Rava tested us with the following question. Eshet Kohen Shinansa. If you have an Eshet Kohen who was raped, she has to get divorced, does she get her Ktuba or not? And what are the sides? Since the status of a Eshet Kohen who's raped is like the status of an Eshet Israel who has consensual adultery, in other words, she's also her husband. So maybe we'll parallel them all the way and say, just like an Eshet Israel who has adultery is divorced without benefit of the Ketubah. Similarly, the Eshet Kohen is raped. Or perhaps you could argue that the Eshet Kohen can say to her husband, I'm here, I'm, I'm uh, comfortable in, uh, in this relationship. Um, and... Um, <clears throat> It's my husband whose field got uh, got destroyed. In other words, uh, I'm ready. I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you had your wife raped. What can I do? You still have to pay the tuba. So from Minalin, what did we answer him? Rav Papa says this is what Rav tested us. Meaning it was a, it was the, the answer was pretty clear, but we had to figure out how to get there. Manitini, we said it's our Mishnah. What's the first case in our Mishnah when a woman says to her husband, So we say the halacha is that she gets to, originally she got divorced and got her ktubah. What's the case? Are we talking about an ancient Israel? So that can't work because if she if she consensually had adultery, she doesn't get a ktubah. If she was raped, she's not prohibited to her husband. So the elevation coin, our Mishnah must be talking about an Eshet coin. So Iberatzon, if she was consensual, Klum Yeshlak Tuba, again, she doesn't have a Tuba. Migar Meshit Yisrael Baratzon, she's no better than an Eshet Yisrael who had consensual uh, sex. She's certainly not uh, going to get her Tuba. I love bonus. And my, the only case that our Mishnah could be talking about is an Eshet coin who was raped. Uktani Yeshlak Tuba. And what is the original ruling when we believe her? She uh, is divorced and gets her tuba. So you see that an ancient coin is raped is not parallel to an ancient Israel baratzon, but rather she gets her tuba. Now ibayalu. The question was then asked. Amralabalagerashtani. This is something we dealt with in Yivamot and Ktubot several times as an assumption. But here's the discussion: If a woman says to her husband, "You divorced me," Mahu, do we believe her or not? So Amar of Hamunah, Hamunah plays it as follows. Toshma, Homer, Tmeani Lacha, in our Mishnah, we ruled originally that if she says Tmeani Lacha, Dafil, Mishnah, Chrona, Tani, Lomahim, even according to the, set, to the latter ruling, in which we don't believe her, Hatam, Hudam, Shakra, we say, yeah, because there she could be lying, to Yada, the Bala, the Yada, because she knows that her husband doesn't really know the truth, whether she really had an affair with anybody else. 
but when she makes the claim gerashtani, which of course the husband would know if she's telling the truth or not, so mehena, certainly she's telling, she's uh, telling the truth. Why? The chazaka and isha baala. We have a chazaka that a woman doesn't have the ability to bald face lie to her husband in her husband's presence about something he would know about. So in the Mishnah Rishona, when she even said tmeani lacha, we believed her. In the Mishnah Rona, we didn't believe her because we had our concern, but, but Rav Amunah's argument is, even there, the, the only reason we don't believe her is because she's making a claim about something that the husband would not really know was true or not. But here, we know that the husband would know whether or not he divorced her, and therefore the fact that she's saying it means she must be telling the truth because she doesn't have the ability to lie about something like that in his presence. That's Rav Hamnuna. So, so therefore, Rav Hamnuna says, a woman says, Girashtani, we believe her. Amalei Ravas, Rava challenged him. He said, Ad I can flip it upside down. I feel the Mishnah Rishona, even according to the Mishnah Rishona, that did believe her. Because in in that case, saying to me is a bizui. It's a it's a uh, it's a it's a degrading thing to do. And so therefore she wouldn't do it unless she was telling the truth. But here when it comes to divorce, maybe she's gotten more chutzpah than her husband, she's got a little bit more of a strong personality. So, maybe she will have the ability to say to her husband something that she knows isn't true, and he knows isn't true, and she might still have the ability to do it. In other words, saying Gerashtani is not a bizayon, it's not degrading, that we would say she wouldn't do it if it wasn't true. But saying Tmeani Lachai involves a bizayon, I had relations away from you. Uh, even if it was rape, nonetheless, it's still degrading. She wouldn't say that unless it was really true. So Rava says, even in the Resha, when we originally believed her, we believed her only because she said, which is something she wouldn't say because it's so degrading. In the safe, we didn't even believe that. Certainly, Gerashtani, in which there is no Bizayon, we wouldn't believe her. So Ravamnun and Rava have opposite rulings, based on opposite reads of how to understand the reason we believe her or don't believe her in the different parts of our Mishnah. About that's the positions. Now, he challenges from the second case in our Mishnah, when the woman says he's not able to perform properly, and that is a degrading thing, and originally we did believe her, so that's a disproof to Rava, because it proves that even uh, when it's something that is degrading, we would still believe her. There, I'm sorry, in the case of Shemayim ben Yuvein Echa, there's nothing particularly degrading, and we still believe her. So certainly, if she says Gerashtani, we should believe her. Shemayim ben Yuvein Echa. Right? Because the answer is Rava won't accept that because Hatam came into Lasagilo da Amra in Yorikachates. Rava held that when a woman makes a claim of Shemaim ben Yuvein she has to be graphic about it. And she has to describe what's missing. And that's already something that really is degrading. Elo Ita Amra, if it's really not the way she said, Lo Amrale, she wouldn't say Hashemaim bin Levenecha. She wouldn't say uh, that claim. So in other words, Rava's position was that when a woman makes the claim, the second claim in our Mishnah, Hashemaim bin Levenecha, she has to be graphic and uh, detailed. And as a result of that, she's not going to do it unless it's really true. It really is embarrassing. And therefore, Rava sees as fundamentally degrading things for her to say, and therefore, in the original ruling, we believed her if she said it, because she wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. As opposed to Gerishin, which is not inherently degrading, it's just difficult to say that, but if she has a personality where she's got that uh, that kind of nerve, then she may, perhaps she could. 
Now, what do we do with the claim in the Mishnah Chrono? We don't believe her. Because that should disprove Rav Hamnuna. Why? After all, she knows what's going on physically, and her husband knows what's going on physically. And she says, And according to you, Rav Hamnuna, a woman would never say something to her husband that her husband knows about, and she knows about if she were lying. She doesn't have the ability to lie directly to her husband, like Gerashtani, about something he would know about. And yet, in the Mishnah Chrono, we didn't believe her anymore. That's really her claim. Her claim is, yeah, he knows whether we're not we're able to have intercourse, but he doesn't know what the level of strength of what's happening there is. So in other words, her claim is, I'm claiming something that he really doesn't know about, but that's my claim. So therefore, she could be lying, and that's why we don't believe her in the second Mishnah, as opposed to Gerashtani, where there's no way he would not know about it. Now, now, we have four stories. There was a woman. Every time she had relations with her husband, she would afterwards hurry to wash his hands. That's what her thing. One day she brought water to wash. He said, why bring water to wash? We didn't have relations. So Amrla, she said, this is a very uh, strange mitzvah and kind of hard to, to figure and describe, but uh, she turns around and says to him, and we'll see why we don't really uh, believe this, Chad Minochrim Ahaloi, one of the soap salesmen, Dahavu Hacha Haidna, who was around here, if it wasn't you, maybe it was one of them. In other words, she was in the dark, she had relations, she thought it was her husband, she brought water to him, she said, ah, maybe it was somebody else. Now, the question came to Rav Nachman. Now, she asked her husband, I'm Rav Nachman, you know what happened? This woman never had relations with anybody, not with her husband, not with a soap salesman. Didn't happen. She decided she wants to marry somebody else. She wants her husband to divorce her. So she's making up this story. And she brought the water to her husband. We don't pay attention to her words. Case two. She didn't like her husband very much. So So one day he came to her and said, Why do you look so upset today? She said, You never hurt me so much during intercourse as today. He said, I, We didn't have relations today. It must be the, the kerosene salesman. They were there. If it wasn't you, it must have been one of them, and that's why it felt different. Nachman says, don't pay any attention to her tenant. She's again somebody who decided she wants to marry somebody else. She wants to get divorced from her husband. So she's making up this whole story. I'm in pain and, and it must be somebody else, etc. And uh, in order to get that. Okay, third case. There's a man hiding in a house uh, with the woman of the house. The husband came home. The guy broke down a reed wall that was there and ran out of the house. Reminiscent of the story of Yosef, sort of. Rava Tasharia. Rava then ruled. His Rebbe of Nachman had done the same thing. He ruled. The woman is mutter to her husband. Why? Now, she didn't make any claims. This is just the circumstances we saw. Im If he had really violated and had relations with her, he would have hidden there. He wouldn't have ran out wherever he could see him running away from the house. He's running away because that's the instinct. But if you really did something wrong, you're going to hide there and wait till dark. 
Now, Hahun Noef, evidently this guy was known as a philanderer, he went to a particular woman's house, Atagarva, and the husband came. Salik Noef, the adulterer snuck out, he's an adulterer in general, but not necessarily in this case, snuck out and hid on the other side of the door. There were some vegetables there, and a snake came and ate some of them and put his poison in them. At that point, the owner of the house wanted to eat some of those vegetables. Below day to the end day, he didn't tell his wife about it. who So the Noev told him, Don't eat from those, the snake bit them. In other words, the adulterer, who's the general philanderer, in this case told the husband of the wife that he was hanging out with, but we don't know if he did anything with her, he said, Don't eat because the snake poisoned them. So now, Amarava, Intate Sharia, Rava said the woman's mutter, why? Im ite do avadi sura, if they had really violated and had adultery, he would have wanted the husband to eat it and die, so he could then marry this woman scot free. Dichtiv ki na'afu v'dam biyadehen. They, uh, they uh, have had adultery and there's blood on their hands. In other words, adultery, the next thing you want is the husband to be out of the way. Sepshita, it should be a no-brainer that the fact that he rescued the husband proves that he has not done anything. No, Ma'udatema, I might have thought, Isurava, that he had adultery. Vahai Damrele, the reason he told him is, he doesn't want the husband to die. Why? Maybe he wants the woman to always be forbidden fruit, which he'll enjoy even more. It's a strange Havamina. But that he always wants the thrill of the, uh, of the, of the, of the Isur to be there. Disgusting thing. Um, and that that's why he wants the husband to stay alive. Kamash Milan, therefore, teaches us know that in this case where he saves the husband's life, it's clear he didn't violate the Isur. And with that, we have completed our study of the last parak, Hadran Allah Ve'ilun Darim, Darim. We have completed our, our study of Masachan Darim. In the next podcast, Amir Hashem, we will begin with the very beginning of Masachat Nazir. Everybody should have a wonderful day, and Yishakoach to all of the Lomdim who have studied together and who have successfully completed uh, Masachat Nadarim. It's a very exciting time, and we will see when we study Nazir that at least the first few parkim of Nazir have a lot of the same themes of Nadarim and the same concepts as Nadarim, um, and uh, that will carry us through nicely until we get into the unique areas of uh, Nazir, dealing with wine and with Tumat Mate and the Korbanot, etc. We should have a wonderful day.